0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Today, the world don't feel big enough in my mind or in my mouth to talk about the loss we're all sharing. The truth that our collective voices are a lot weaker today because our most powerful voice, Aretha Franklin, is no longer with us. She died yesterday at age 76. And let's not hesitate. That's what Aretha was to us as Detroiters. She was the power behind our voices, the one who gave shape and definition to the certainty of who and what we are. And just like a Detroiter, of course, she never, ever backed down, not from anything. She was a rock star, yes, and so her voice was what carried her to all the glorious places she found all around the world. And in a way, she was the quintessential rock star, troubled and quarrelsome, not just with others, but with her own demons. But a long time ago, Aretha became way more than just the sounds that used to fill my mother's house on Sunday mornings. For those of us who grew up here, and especially for African-Americans and for women, she was a vessel for our sense of greatness in the way we want the world to think of us. Aretha became a huge part of the way Detroit introduced itself to everybody else. In the early 2000s, I applied to be the local columnist at the Baltimore Sun, where I was living. And at the end of the interview, the editor asked me how I would begin, how I would introduce myself to readers in Baltimore. I told him I'd write about Aretha and the way her music and her career had given purpose and power to my own. And I told him that the first line of my column would be something we Detroiters have said about our biggest star for a long, long time. We don't talk bad. About Aretha. Ever. For any reason. And if readers in Baltimore could understand that, then we would get along just fine. I didn't get the job, but I remember smiling quietly after I said what I did about Aretha, and I thought there was not another Detroiter anywhere I would have wanted to have with me in that moment. Not then, not even now, as we try to find footing in a world without her. We're going to spend the hour today remembering Aretha, talking about our loss, and celebrating the things she gave us while she was here. And of course, as always, we want to hear from you. What did you think of Aretha Franklin? What did she mean to you? What did you think of her music and of the bigger persona that she adopted, the voice she gave to us as Detroiters, the voice she gave to women? As always, the number on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. 1019 That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. three five seven77 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us for this hour of remembrance, Of Aretha Franklin is WDET's Anne Delisi. She is the host of Essential Music, which runs Saturdays and Sundays right here on WDET from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Anne, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much. I think I might have you come on the show tomorrow and open my show because you did such a beautiful job of uh, paying tribute to Aretha Franklin. Uh, Tomorrow I will pay tribute to her as well. And then on Sunday, it will be an Aretha All Gospel show, yeah, so I'm yeah. really excited about that. I am
0: looking so forward to hearing both of those all shows. Right. I'm
1: excited about it. So thank you for having me today. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover. And we, we do we want to include as many uh, <laughs> uh, Detroiters in this conversation as we can, uh, but I am honored to be here. And you know, one of the things I said yesterday when I was on Culture Shift, you know, and listening to the open uh, music that we listened to from Aretha Franklin was. I don't care what she was singing, you believed her. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. believed that her heart was broken or you believed that she was falling in love yeah. or that she was head over heels over a man in her life. or <laughs> You know, you just believed it, whether it was the case or not. Yeah. But when she sang those words, they felt true to us. Yeah and that's why i think her music resonates with as you said with men and women.
0: Yeah. a lot of that has to do with with her voice i feel like oh, yeah. uh, the, the the strength of that voice which i think unlike other uh, other popular singers or, or or rock stars. For Aretha, that voice held up in a way that it doesn't for, uh, for other people. I mean, just a few years ago, uh, I can remember watching her sing and thinking this doesn't seem like uh, someone who's 70 years old or 72 years old. This uh, the, the strength of that voice maintained the whole time. And I think that has a lot to do with how it resonates with us how it makes us feel
1: mm-hmm. well uh, it was you know what was a real testament to that was her performance her legendary now legendary performance at the Kennedy Honors when she mm-hmm. sang um, natural woman you know um, Carol King ready to jump out of her skin <laughs> watching the song she wrote for Aretha yes um, performed by a woman in her 70s and it was a stunning performance and so, uh, and, you know, we go back to Ness and Dorma, um, you know, who else could have gotten up there really and pulled it off in Luciano Poverotti's Key, no less. Right. <laughs> uh, and so uh, it was the power of her voice, but the fact that her voice was steeped in the world of um, the church uh-huh. and gospel music, mm-hmm. I think that has so much to do with everything. It informed everything that came after it, um, everything she did after that. And, and there was, uh, all that part was always in her, and I think it has a lot to do with yeah. why her voice resonated so much. Yeah.
0: So so I want to start by going way 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 <laughs> way back uh to the beginning when Aretha Franklin was literally a teenager and beginning to to be a recording star. She did a lot of uh, a lot of recording here in Detroit and a little later in the show we're going to talk about some of that recording. But uh, I believe it's the first uh, commercial release uh, that, that she does that includes one of my favorite songs uh, of all time. And I want to take a quick listen to it and then talk about the ways in which uh, that gospel background, that gospel foundation for Aretha Powers uh, powers this song uh, it, it really is uh, sort of the quintessential uh, uh, example of that uh, let's let's take a listen to this song somewhere over the rainbow
2: The land that I heard of Once
0: in a that's Aretha Franklin singing somewhere over the rainbow one of my all-time favorite songs I just love the hope and optimism mm-hmm. that that song represents, and and there she's doing what she kind of always did with 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 standards, right? Uh, she takes them and turns them in that gospel direction, in that sort of church direction, and of course blues. There's a, a very strong bluesy influence in that song and in lots of that early work that she did.
3: Yeah,
1: no question. You know the you know eventually the the people that she would work with at Columbia, John Hammond, having signed her. Uh, really believed that she was a jazz singer. And um, she did, you know, we kind of forget, before she went to Atlantic and started turning out all those legendary hits, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, that was her 11th studio album when she got to Atlantic. So she had done 10 albums with Columbia. Um, I think they were all with Columbia. She had done 10 albums that didn't do very well. And she was being groomed as this jazz singer, and it was Jerry Wexler who said this is not who she is. And he was the one who really sat her at the piano and said, this is where she she belongs. And I mean, that was the first I never loved a man, you know, that that was how it all started. He yeah. sat her at the piano and everybody knew right then that this was going to be an incredible change in her career. And she was off and running, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- those early years also, as you point out, are marked by this sort of uh, Turmoil in in, mm-hmm. in the music, right? Uh, what what should she be? How should she be presented to people, and and how will people sort of relate to her? But the the greater context of that is also uh, what's going on in music generally. This is the 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 dawn of the era of rock and the rock star, uh, and and I think it's it's really important to remember that that Aretha. Sort of bursts into that era in a way that other female artists and especially other African American female artists were not able to, and that is part of what makes her as big a star as she becomes.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And if you think about her, um, that the fact that this music has endured there, you know, <laughs> my nieces are in their 20s; they know Aretha Franklin's music. <laughs> you know, a, a whole new generation will certainly um, discover her now. You know, maybe artists that didn't know her. But, you know, her music has been sampled all the way along. Um, hip-hop artists have been sampling Aretha Franklin's music for yes. decades. Yes, yes. Um, and, um, you know, Aretha Franklin, while she has stood the test of time, her music feels as relevant today as it did when she wrote it and released it. And, you um, The sound of it never feels dated. Yeah. Ever. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Anne Delisi. She's the host of WDET's Essential Music, which runs Saturdays and Sundays from 11 to 1 p.m. Right here on WDET, we're talking about the death of Aretha Franklin, yesterday, Thursday, at age 76 here in Detroit, the place she called home. We're talking about her career. We're talking about how much she meant to us here in the city of Detroit and why she meant so much to us here in the city of Detroit. Of course, we're talking about... Her music. Uh, we want to hear from you, especially today, about Aretha Franklin. What did you think of the Queen of Soul? Uh, what did her music mean to you? Are there points in your life where you can think of songs that Aretha recorded and released that were the soundtrack of those moments? Uh, a little later in the show, I'll talk about how much she meant to my mother. Uh, somebody who grew up in the city at the same time that Aretha did. I'm sure there are lots of other people who have those stories as well. And what are your favorite memories of Aretha? Is there a concert that you remember that she gave? Is there a moment on television where she blew you away? We want to hear about all of that today. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. That's 313 577 one oh one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, and I want to talk uh, about another song that uh, that Aretha. Uh, recorded that I just love Uh, and and uh, listeners will have to bear with me this hour I mean this is this is for me uh, a a big part of uh, my life music is a big part of my life uh, and the way music influences me as a writer and a thinker is a big part of uh, my life but but for for Aretha um, uh, you know that role is outsized in my life it's different than other artists so I'm going to Play a lot of music this hour. <laughs> uh, something we don't often do here on Detroit Today. But I, I want to talk about the song "I Never Loved a Man," which uh, is uh, the the title track of of one of my favorite Aretha albums. But it's also a song that uh, that we later a- heard the sort of beginnings of. And I think one of the great things about uh, uh, hearing sort of where this song comes from, is you can see its evolution from the church, mm-hmm. from gospel oh, yeah. to pop. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful pop song, and it is a wonderful uh, uh, part of that album. But in the rare and unreleased version of it, it is uh, every bit in the pews. Uh, it is every bit uh, her as uh, a young person singing in her father's church.
1: Yeah, there is an album, uh, album I still call them, uh, it's called Rare and Unreleased Recordings, Mm -hmm. and um, this is worth having if you are in a, even if you're, you're like, I don't know about listening to these monos and demos, you should have it. (laughs) You should listen to it. It is brilliant, and um, there was a version, an early version, we should mention that you know this was her first album on Atlantic in 1967 and mm-hmm. this being her first album here's were some of the songs on it Respect was on it mm-hmm. Doctor Feelgood was on it Save Me was on it Do Right Woman Do Right Man and the funny thing was is at the time in 1967 Rolling Stone gave it this lukewarm reception <laughs> like it's okay you know, it's okay you know since then of course they've had to eat a big fat piece of humble pie <laughs> And uh, now it's in the top, you know, 100 albums ever created of all time, you know, that kind of thing. But um, there is this, um, I want to see if we can go to track 11 um, and listen to George Davidson, who I talked to yesterday. And George Mm -hmm. Davidson, he played with Aretha Franklin when she was, it was a jazz trio. And she was on piano and all she was doing is jazz standards. They played around Detroit and then they toured. But he was with her when this song basically hit, mm-hmm. and he just makes a, he makes a great reference to how their <laughs> lives changed from before I never loved a man, you know, before and then after I never loved a man. So this is just really quick from Detroiter George Davidson, very, very wonderful man who took some time yesterday to talk to me.
4: We were working all jazz clubs. You know, she was singing standards and jazz tunes at the time. And I was with her, when she, as I said, when she got her blessed with her first million seller. And we went from uh, station wagons to airplanes and limousines overnight. My experience with her was great, you know. In fact, I did her first European tour with her. As I said, she treated me like a best friend. I have nothing negative to say about Aretha Franklin, because she was great to me, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: He was great. He said in Europe, when they went over there... um, They had to like protect Aretha Franklin. They had to have security Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, because she was. They loved her over there. She's so popular. Absolutely. So anyway, that's a good. So the the song he references is the one
0: you're talking about. and this is this is the rare and unreleased version of this song, uh, and it gives you such a great idea of where the tune comes from and what it evolves uh, into. So let's play track number one. I never loved a man.
5: Hey, it started to get good in there.
2: Yes, it did. We had that rocking thing. <laughs> You're no good. You do these things to me. My friends keep telling me that you ain't no good. Well, oh, they don't know. I'd leave you if I could. I guess I'm uptight and I'm stuck like glue. Well, I ain't never.
0: No, that's. Aretha Franklin with a very early version of her hit song, I Never Loved a Man uh, the Way I Loved You. Uh, Unbelievable song, one of my favorite songs. And that version of it, uh, of course, with that uh, piano playing of hers is is so, so rooted in that gospel sound that uh, that she grew up with.
1: Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just, laughs> you no, know, I get blown away. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that this whole week um, I've been doing pretty much nothing but listening to Aretha
3: Franklin's yeah. music. Yeah. You know, when you
1: you just vacillate between extreme sadness and extreme joy, um, and realizing you know the words to you know, <laughs> so many of these songs, and you think about how many times you've been in your car driving along. Jefferson will say, yeah. and um, singing along to Aretha Franklin, wishing that there was an osmosis situation where you could actually sing like her. <laughs> right,
0: right. We all try. We all try. Nobody in the quite private, gets there. It's
1: a pri- it should be private moments, I say. But, um, but
0: one of the things that, that also strikes me about her is you listen to that version of that song, and it reminds you of other... Other gospel singers, uh, and and the one that comes to mind a lot when I listen to Aretha is Mahalia Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, who is also they're they're not really contemporaries, but they're not, they overlap a bit, mm-hmm. and it strikes me as how differently the world received those two artists. Uh, Mahalia Jackson never really pushes over into the pop or soul or rock space the way Aretha does. And in that track, you can hear where the music comes from, but it it goes to a place that someone like Mahalia Jackson never really took the music.
1: I think just that few years made a difference. You know, just that few years in that period of time, you know, we talk about rock and roll getting started and it may not, you know, the subject matter you know, Aretha Franklin wrote some sexy songs, no yeah, doubt about right? it. And Mahalia Jackson may never have felt comfortable enough to go sure. into that territory, you know, yeah. being a gospel a true gospel singer the mm-hmm. way she was. Um and it took a long time for Aretha Franklin to do that as well. You know, she had been singing gospel for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um and then there were, you know, there was, you know, decisions were made that it was time for Aretha Franklin, you know, her father had so much influence over her career and where she would go next. You know, a lot of people I do want to make this correction again. That Aretha Franklin was never signed to Motown. No, she was not. And so I've and there seen... are great
0: stories about that, about how the, there was no yeah. love lost between her father. Uh, and Barry Gordy. Uh, and I'd said, uh, I made a little quip on Facebook on someone's post this, this this week, you know, they were Westsiders, the Franklins were, and Barry Gordy was an Eastsider. Everyone in Detroit understands <laughs> the disconnect right. that is. would exist there, right? Um, I mean,
1: and, and, and maybe, you know, the Motown, you know, this was a, a, for lack of a better word, a machine, you know, there was a very specific way mm-hmm. that everything was done at Motown. And Her father very well may have said, this is not going to be a good fit for my daughter. You know, know, and that being said, Columbia was not necessarily the best fit for her either, but it allowed her to get to where she ended up at Atlantic Records. So everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. You know, she ended up with the right producer and uh, with the right songs. And so uh, I think timing and with Mahalia Jackson and Aretha Franklin, I think it was timing and then maybe the subject matter a little bit.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Anne, and we're going to add some other voices to the conversation in remembrance of Aretha Franklin. We are going to talk with two members of a family that were very involved with uh, Aretha's very early recordings here in Detroit. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out on the show. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe To Detroit today and we will get you uh, you can listen whenever you are ready Uh, stay with us and stay with us on the phones 313-577-1019 we will also get to your calls next we'll be right back with more Detroit today You're listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest this hour is Andalisi, who is the host of WDET's Essential Music, which runs Saturdays and Sundays here from 11 to 1 on WDET. We're talking about the death of. Aretha Franklin yesterday at age 76 here in Detroit to the place she called home. We're talking about Aretha and her music, her career. We're talking about the way she defined us as Detroiters, spoke for us as Detroiters. And of course we want to hear From you, what are your remembrances of Aretha? What are the things about her that stick out in your mind uh, now that she is gone? Uh, Was there a concert that uh, you can't ever forget? Was there another appearance that you saw on television that really stuck with you? Is there a song? Is there one song uh, of Aretha's? That means more to you than any other. Uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to share the song that means the most to me that Aretha ever recorded. Uh, and so I want to hear what your songs are before we get to that point. Uh, I also want to welcome two other voices uh, to the conversation. Uh, Marcia Music is a local author and historian. Uh, Marcia, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Good morning. Thank yes, you.
0: It's great to hear your voice. Uh, also, with us is Joseph Battle. He is Marsha Music's brother, and he was uh, someone who also was in the studio during very early recording sessions that Aretha Franklin did at their father's record store. Uh, Joseph Battle, welcome to Detroit today.
4: Well, thank you. Good yeah. morning.
0: Yes. Uh, so, Marcia, uh, the reason I asked uh, you to be here on the show today was p- because of a Facebook post uh, you put up about uh, this record that uh, your father recorded of Aretha's when she was 14 years old. Tell us, tell us how that happened, uh, where this was, uh, and what you remember about it.
2: Well, uh, I, I don't. Uh personally remember the recording mm-hmm. of the record uh-huh. I, I, it was before my time but uh, I do know that my father who was Joe Von Battle mm-hmm. uh, had a record store on Hastings Street and he also uh, uh, after he opened that store in 1945 uh, came to record uh, people in the neighborhood, in the area mm-hmm. including John B. Hooker uh, people like uh, um uh, all kinds of the people who were singing and performing around in the area near Blackbody. Uh-huh. And he came to encounter New Bethel Baptist Church, which was down the street on Haston. My dad's record shop was at 3530 Haston, and New Bethel Baptist Church was on the east side. Yep. <laughs> on Hastings
0: Street,
2: and it was at Hastings Circle North in around And uh, he already, the Reverend C.L. Franklin, uh, was becoming uh, quite renowned for his uh, extraordinary preaching skills. Yeah. And my dad uh, determined very soon after encountering him that he would record him. And he began to record the Reverend C.L. Franklin's sermons uh, in the early 50s. And as a part of that activity, uh, of course, uh, Alisa being in the choir mm-hmm. uh, came to the attention of my father. And so he was the very first person to record and to put her voice on record, Wow! Uh, beginning with the... Song called "Never Grow Old," which is a classic gospel song. Yeah, that yeah. she's saying like a
0: grown woman at the age of fourteen. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Joseph Battle, uh, you do remember uh, this this happening? Talk about what that was like uh, when this when this recording took place.
4: Well, uh, Marsha just about took my steam when she started <laughs> out, just like uh, it happened. You know, yeah. our father. On Joe's record shop, we were at thirty five thirty Hastings, mm-hmm. and uh, Reverend Franklin's church was right down the street, about four or five blocks on Willis and Hastings. Mm-hmm. We were at Mackin Hastings, <laughs> and uh, you know he listened to uh, uh, his program. You know he was such a dynamic preacher, you know, and he had a program that came on uh, every Sunday night at eleven o'clock at night, and it stayed on an hour, and it was on WJLB at that time. <laughs> wow! And so he was going to the and listening to these programs, so. He made some contact with Reverend Franklin and uh, discussed with him. They, they stayed together about two, two and a half, three hours <laughs> talking. My daddy was convincing him uh, to let him record him and then put him out nationwide, you know, yeah, on uh, the, these recordings. And so they made an agreement, and uh, they signed the contract. And my dad, every Sunday, we would go, I would go down there with them, with the equipment. We set it up, and then we would go, and he, he would record those sermons every uh, Sunday night. Wow, wow. And so— uh, we started putting the first one we put out was uh, the twenty third Psalm, which is uh, he, he called the Lord is my shepherd. Sure, and then that was a big record, and then the next one was bigger than all of them was uh, the Eagle Stirs a Nest, uh-huh. and so uh, we started with that one, and then you know every night we would uh, uh, we call, every Sunday night we do these recordings, and then uh, Aretha would, would sing, you know, and she was singing down there, so my daddy was <laughs> singing, you know, and so uh, they got with her daddy and all in uh She recorded, that's when they recorded uh, Never Grow Old. Yeah. And that became a real, that's what put her forward. Uh, You know, when everybody heard that voice, when she sang Never Grow Old, ah, you know, it just really (laughs) uh, set her over. And then I think she did one more, was Precious Lord, Hmm. if I'm not mistaken on our label, on JVB. Wow. And uh, so that was about it, how it all started.
0: Yeah, yeah. But no, I am glad fascinating... not, my daddy
4: was the first uh, to record her and yeah. her father. Yeah.
0: No, it's a fascinating it story. The they
4: were the first ones, yeah.
0: Fascinating story. Okay, Marsha Music and Joseph Battle, thank you both for yeah. joining yeah. us here on Detroit Today.
4: The pleasure was mine, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Great to hear from you. Okay. So, so, Anne, uh, the, the reason I wanted to sort of include that story— in the show today is, I think it, it it roots her in part of Detroit history that mm-hmm. I'm not sure everybody who loves her really understands uh, how much she was part of Detroit and the African American community here in Detroit uh, as she was growing up.
1: The entire time, you know, she was playing when she was a. <laughs> I don't know, barely out of diapers. You know, <laughs> right. she was. She was. Uh, I have a, a clip of Smokey Robinson talking about her mm-hmm. and, and remembering her playing when she was five years old. You know, she was doing this her entire life. And we should make mention of what an amazing pianist she was. Yes. You know, sometimes her voice is so powerful and beautiful, and that's what we know, but she could sit down and boy, could she play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was part of this experience. She lived here, she lived her life here. She was in the church and, um, and she stayed here. You know, that's the other thing. Yes. You know, a lot of people um, that become famous have opportunities to leave Detroit. Uh um, And a lot of people, some decide to stay. Aretha Franklin stayed in the Motor City. And uh, we love her for that. So it's been wonderful to watch her entire career. And that she stayed in in the motor city and that
0: we were all we were all part of it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, again, 3135771019 is the number on the phones. Tell us what your memories are of Aretha Franklin. Let's go to Cynthia in Detroit. Cynthia, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Hi. How are you?
6: I am excellent, Mr. Henderson. I am excellent. Um, my memory is the night that the rebellion started. Mhm and i had i worked at the dia theater they closed it down we're driving back avoiding the freeways and um bell broadcasting put on skylark wow and they played it over and over wow
0: yeah
6: and if you listen to the lyrics you'll figure out why <laughs> yeah
0: right <laughs> no i that I, you know I, I i've not heard that story before about the rebellion and and again, uh, it ties Aretha and her work to the story of Detroit. That that was the 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 song that uh, that station chose to play that night. Cynthia, I'm really glad you called, uh, and shared that wonderful memory with us. Uh, let's go to Kay in Detroit. Kay, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, hi, hey.
6: Anne. How are you doing, girl? Good, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I. Being from Detroit, um, we also went down to Nashville a lot. And um, I remember as a child, when I was young, I always got certain creds for being from Detroit because <laughs> of Arisa. <laughs> and we would play her music at night when it was blazing hot in Nashville and dance, and it was so fun. But as as a young photographer, I photographed her in a club. I have no idea where it was, but mm. she was very early on, young in her career as well. And um, I remember her being so gracious to everyone in the audience. It was just an amazing experience to photograph her that time. Then she played again at our wonderful state fair, which so many people came to. Mm-hmm. And she had on this outrageous Big yellow dress with feathers. She looked like a really amazing Big Bird yeah. kind of character, floating across the stage wow. with a with this full orchestra behind her. And that was another great time. And then last of all, I photographed her when I worked at the Dia for one of the Night Under the Stars parties. Mm-hmm. And she walked in with this big posse full of people. She had on this big fur, and she wouldn't let anyone touch her fur. She had someone (laughs) with her to carry her fur coat. And um, she walked around. She she had the fireman boyfriend at the time. And she was sweet and kind and lovely. Everyone kept going up, you know, at a distance, saying how much they loved her. And at one point, she was walking around, and I guess her feet got sore. (laughs) And she sat down, and the fireman got down on his knees and started to rub her feet. And as I put my camera up to my eye, I heard this really deep, low voice behind me. And it was one of her security guards who said, you don't want to do (laughs) that. That's right. Don't take that photo. (laughs) So obviously, I left with, with deep respect.
0: Put the camera I, down, I, I, right? I, I, let the, I let the shot though <laughs> but um,
6: I do think that it, it's profoundly sad and a, a great loss for Detroit, but it's true. I mean, she's one of the people that no matter where you went in the world, you, people found out you were from Detroit, and you had those creds like, yeah, don't mess with me, man. I'm right. from Detroit. without a reset.
5: Right.
0: Yeah. It's, no, Kay, I, I really love – I really love the the, the call and the comments. You know, I've been saying all week that that when I say to people, I'm from Detroit, one of the things I'm saying is that I'm from where she's from, where I'm from, where Aretha is from. And I think that there's such a a strong feeling of that here in the city that uh, when you talk about this place and what it means – uh, you are talking in part about her and her work and her legacy. Um, so Kay, uh, I really appreciate uh, that call. Um, that's a nice segue as well uh, to more of the music. And yeah, um, Natural Woman is you know the, the song that so many people identify with Aretha, and for me, it is the first song I can remember hearing that Aretha sang and, and played uh, in, in my house uh, as a kid. My mom was a huge fan of Aretha's. They were the exact same age. Um, and, so, and they both grew up here in the city of Detroit. And so my mom called me yesterday to talk about Aretha dying. And uh, she said there were so many moments in her life, uh, so many songs that Aretha put out that defined different moments for her uh, and natural woman, of course, uh, is the one that uh, she played over and over and over again when I was uh, a young, a young child. And I think, uh, I think a lot of women at the time felt uh, not just touched, but somehow empowered mm-hmm. by that song.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, um, the story behind that song is a good story. You know, uh, her producer Jerry Wexler literally was in a limousine driving down a New York street, I don't remember which one, and he sees Carol King and Jer- her husband, Jerry Goffin, who wrote countless hits together. Mm-hmm. And he pulls up <laughs> and rolls down the window and says, I need a hit for Aretha. And I think he had been reading a book about natural men or something. Yeah. And, and He wanted a natural woman. I think that's the, the story, a woman for uh, a song for Aretha Franklin because he was going to be recording. He goes, I need a hit for Aretha. And they literally <laughs> went back to New Jersey, tucked their kids into bed, and wrote that song that night. Wow. And wow. there it was and then aretha of course you know carol king says you know you know she can dream about how she wants a song to hear she goes i don't have the chops to do it <laughs> to be able to do it but wow. then to turn it over to aretha franklin and hear um to hear her create this iconic song there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it and um so there we do have a clip here of aretha franklin talking about and it's the song like, when i heard her t- she's talking to oprah about this when mm-hmm. i heard this i was like what this is what I, this is there's a different story behind it for aretha franklin so we should hear that right now yeah
3: now when you were singing you make me feel like a natural woman who yeah. were you singing that about <laughs> who was i singing that about let's see natural woman i was just singing the song it wasn't about anyone particularly at its fruition came to be be yourself be a natural woman i stopped the eyebrow pencil stopped plucking the eyebrows I really? had a, that huge
2: freedom fro,
1: yeah, yeah, you know,
0: just doing my thing. <laughs> wow. so there you just go. just doing my thing, just, right? I so mean, it's, for her,
1: it was a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you think
0: about Aretha and the way she was always herself, uh, and never again backing down to anybody who was challenging that. It's it's almost as though she's describing there the moment. When she became that person and and comfortable being that person uh, in in every situation,
1: and she grew into that, you know, it was not an easy road for her to get to that confidence. That confidence as a woman, as an artist, you know, the list goes on. That took some time to get to that place, but I think she might have helped some women that heard her sing jump <laughs> over a, bu- a few years maybe yeah, to get right. to get there a little bit faster. That's what I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, we're gonna take another quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna continue our. Uh, Remembrance of Aretha Franklin here on Detroit Today. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Marlon, West, Bloomfield, George in Detroit, Dan in Plymouth. We will get to you. And if you have a memory of Aretha you want to share, be sure to call us at 313 577 1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
2: Oh, I used to feel so uninspired.
0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest this hour is Anne Delisi, the host of WDET's Essential Music, which runs Saturdays and Sundays from 11 to 1 here on WDET. We are talking about the death of Aretha Franklin Thursday here in Detroit at age 76. We want to hear from you about your memories of Aretha. Uh, was there a moment? Was there a concert? Was there a song that for you defines Aretha and maybe ties into your sense of Detroit and Detroiters? 313 1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313 You can also go to the WDET uh, Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to George in Detroit. George, welcome to Detroit Today.
7: Hello, Stephen. Can you hear me? George.
0: Yeah, I sure can.
7: Yeah, hey. Uh, great show, uh, to you and your guests. Thank you. Uh, I'm in awe. I'm sitting here um, feeling like I've lost a family member wow. uh, because she was so great. And one of my greatest moments of being with her was her son, Eddie, and I and my roommate, Rick Black, were all good friends mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. And so they had a band or group. Rick and Eddie started a group. And so they was always thinking they are going to get a record deal. Well, I'm, I'm teasing, but... So one day we were over uh, Mrs. Franklin's house because she would have these parties for prominent women in Detroit and Shirley Eater and a lot of the uh, great uh, women of Detroit were there at the party. So she let the band play. And so after the show, the event was over and, um, you know, we was put, straightening up and helping her straighten up the house and putting the equipment up, uh, Miss Franklin went and sat at the piano mm. and started playing some of her greatest hits. And we were standing there like, oh, well, if I was. I was like in awe, like, can I, first of all, I'm in her house. Yeah. Secondly, she's sitting down at the piano giving us a mini concert. I mean, I was just taken back. And we loved her as the queen of Soul, but we also respected her as Mrs. Franklin, because she was like a mother to us. And there was no way we were going to call her Aretha or Riri. It was always Miss Franklin. And so the funny part was, after <laughs> she was playing, one of the guys in the group was caught up in what was going on and, he turned and looked at him, he was like, You know Loretta, And if you could have thought a look on her face And she turned and looked at him and she said, By the way, it's Miss Franklin. Miss Franklin <laughs> And she said, Okay guys, it's time for y'all to go. But I love her, I respected her and I'm I'm feeling for her family. But I thank God that we and I had the opportunity to be in her presence a few times. Wow. I thank wow. you guys for what you're doing over the radio uh, to remember a great lady.
0: Thank you very much for the call uh, and the comments, George. Uh, I I love that everybody in Detroit has an Aretha story. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to Marla in West Bloomfield. Marla, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Yeah, hi, good morning. Excellent Uh show, and I wanted to tell you that I worked at a restaurant in Bloomfield Hills some years ago, and I recall... Many times, a ginormous white bus pulling up in front of the restaurant, <laughs> naturally, in the no-parking zone. <laughs> and there was uh, an entourage always, I'm talking well, <laughs> 15, 18 people that would get off the bus with Ms. Franklin. And they'd come into the restaurant and get tons of food for carryout. And on the occasion, Ms. Franklin and perhaps her bodyguard or a friend would come on in sit down and have a big pastrami sandwich or a big corned beef sandwich or a combination of both. And she was she
0: was lovely. Yeah, yeah. She
7: was lovely.
0: Yeah. That's Marla, that's a great story too. <laughs> Thanks very much for the call. Uh, and we would be remiss if we spent this hour talking about Aretha Franklin without talking about the one song that everybody <laughs> knows and identifies with her, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Uh, you have some really... Great uh, recordings here of people talking about uh, where that song came from.
1: So this is Jerry Wexler, mm-hmm. who was her producer, and so as I mentioned earlier, this was on her debut album for Atlantic, and the first time she was working with him. And this song was, of course, written. I uh, did Otis Redding write it? He, yeah, he wrote it, and yes, then and he, recorded and it. He recorded it, so yeah. his version was there first. And you'll hear Jerry Wexler talking about uh, the song, and he makes reference to Otis writing, and it's great. And then we're going to go to. The live version that was recorded in 1971 at the Fillmore West, it is an un. This this entire live was recorded. uh, This live recording was done over three nights, and it is mind blowing. The King Curtis Band, they (laughs) they delivered in the most unbelievable way. Yeah. And so, uh, first you'll hear Jerry Wexler talking about respect, and then a little bit of this live version that is really incredible. Yeah.
5: Well, this yeah, the story is that. Uh, When Otis Redding did it, uh, it was entirely a different song. The Sakatumis were Aretha Franklin's idea, where she injected into the song, which connoted a certain idea of social respect, uh, probably uh, the notion of ethnic respect combined with a little judicious lubricity on her part. <laughs> the respect that she was talking about was what you might call, very bluntly call proper sexual attention. But it was her trans uh, transmutation of Otis Redding's Little Southern Song. As a matter of fact, uh, I was mixing the record in our studio on Broadway and Otis walked in. He said, that little gal done took my song. but." He meant that in a very kindly way because he saw the cash registers (laughs) (laughs) ringing.
7: For all of us here at Film West, this is a long awaited privilege and a great pleasure to bring on the number one lady, Miss Aretha. Thank you.
0: That is Aretha Franklin at the Fillmore West uh, performing Respect, uh, the song that everybody, I think, identifies with her and her career. I love that story by Jerry Wexler as well. It's a great story. You know, the Otis Redding version of it is very male. It's about him wanting to get respect uh, from his girlfriend or his wife or whoever when he comes home from the road. It's like Aretha took it and and turned it around and said, "No, this is about uh, uh, this is about women. Yeah. This is about me."
1: And he described it perfectly, you yeah. know, as to what was going on there. <laughs> and uh, and she delivered. It. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's an iconic song. There's no doubt about it. And she definitely made it her own. I mean, it, yes. it's like yeah, a- it is a
0: very different uh, version. In fact, uh, Ben Zimmer, who is. Uh, A linguist and lexicographer uh, said on Twitter yesterday that he thinks the Oxford English Dictionary needs to give Aretha Franklin credit for the phrase propers. That she says, you need to give me my propers mm-hmm. when I get home yep. um, or when you get home. Uh, <laughs> the dictionary doesn't credit her. It credits all kinds of other people for bringing that phrase into okay. English slang uh, and doesn't credit her. So maybe they'll fix it now that uh, it now that she's gone. <laughs> all right. Let's let's uh, let's get a couple more calls in here. Uh, let's take Ethel in Detroit. Athel, welcome to Detroit today.
3: Good morning, good morning, WDT. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) Uh, I'm fine, I'm fine. What I want to say is uh, Aretha Franklin, I grew up with her as a little girl. My mom and dad would have us do housework and chore work on Saturdays, and we would throw Aretha Franklin and Temptations (laughs) on the hi-fi. And I remember my neighbor next door, she had this 45. And she was playing "Ain't No Way" all night long, <laughs> and I was telling my mother, "Why don't she get up and turn it off?" So at that time, you know, we didn't do, we didn't uh, impede on one another. Yeah. But more importantly, her music as a little girl meant one thing. But I became a woman in the struggles that I went through life. I found c- consolation in her music. Mm. I found refuge in her music, and that's the gospel music, yes. that's the blues. Whatever she sang, I found comfort in it. I don't want to forget her contributions that she made to the civil rights movement. Sure. I don't want Detroit or the world to forget her contributions that she made for humanity. Um, I remember Angela Davis being incarcerated in the FBI put a bond out on Angela Davis so high mm-hmm. that nobody could come up with the money. But when Aretha stepped up and said, Hey, I have the money, let's free her. The FBI rescinded it and she couldn't get her, get Angela Davis out. Right. A lot of people just don't know the many, many, many contributions that she did as a woman and God placed her in such, uh, in such a, uh, I guess it's a gift.
0: Yeah. No, she, she was. She
3: used her gifts. She used what she had to help others. Yeah. And she gave us music.
0: and she gave uh, us that great voice. I mean, that voice which became our voice uh, as Detroiters. Uh, Ethel, thanks very much for the call. Uh, in the comments. Okay. I want to end the show with uh, a little story and then uh, my favorite Aretha song of all time. I have for years and years, uh, my close friends will tell you, uh, said that I've always wanted Aretha to sing at my funeral, which of course is a ridiculous dream, right? Why would Aretha Franklin sing at my funeral? And of course, she's a lot older than I am. And people would say, well, she'll never be able to do that. But there's one song that she recorded that uh, I always have just loved and it's super appropriate now that she's gone. It's a uh, drown in my own tears. It's also on uh, I Never Loved a Man. And I want to end the show with uh, with her singing this. Anne DeLisi, thanks very much for being here was, with us.
1: It was my honor to be here. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah,
0: yeah. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Near. The program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethin, And the associate producers are Gus Navarro and Evan Yee. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. We'll see you on Monday.